you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Ephesians chapter 6, one of the more familiar passages of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to begin with verse number 10, reading down through verse 17. Many of you would be able to quote this Scripture with me as I begin to read, because it's such a familiar uh, area for a child of God that has served any length of time. I have probably preached from this passage as much as about any passage in the Bible because it is so very important. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren. You know why it says finally? Because oftentimes we don't even turn to the Word of God to where at the end of the road. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everybody say stand against the wiles of the devil. He's going to throw some things at you. The devil's going to throw some things at you. Some things that you think is just coming from your employers, coming from the devil. Some things are not coming from your spouse. They're coming from the devil. Maybe working through your spouse, but I better read on. That you may be able to stand against The wiles of the devil. For, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not where our struggle is. A couple weeks ago we had Harold Hoffman speaking. And he talked about following peace with all men. Did did you catch what he said there? He said, anybody out there, people that aren't trying to live holy, they... They can create trouble. They can cause trouble. But it takes somebody that's trying to live holy and righteous to follow peace with all men. And holiness without either one of those, you're not going to see the Lord. So we don't need to be scrapping and fighting and fussing and carrying on. Follow peace with all men. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not where it's at. You can put people in a chokehold. You get up, the devil's still there. Still fighting the devil. You can throat punch somebody. Devil's still going to be there. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That is the most powerful forces of hell. That's what that means. Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, 
taken to you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is the whole shield mechanism that the Bible talks about us taking on, us putting on. We put on the whole armor of God. So you understand that this doesn't just automatically happen. This is something you have to put on. When you start serving God just because you turn your life around, give your life to the Lord, start serving God, you don't have everything in place. None of us. This is a journey. We have to put on some things. The Bible, I could do a whole study on put on. I don't mean fake. I'm talking about the things the Bible says we have to put on. The Bible says put on Christ. And then here in this text, it begins to talk about the whole armor of God. Maybe I need to do a series and talk about what each of those pieces of armor represents, what it means and why we are to put it on. Take unto you the whole armor. Everybody say the whole armor. Maybe I'll come back to that in a week or so. The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Without the whole armor of God, you can't stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Just keep standing. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness. These are medieval body armor. This is military. This is a whole military strategy that it is talking about here. Your loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I'm not sure that I'm not preaching this or teaching this in reverse order tonight. Because what I just read to you in the latter part, the armor that you must put on, without putting the armor on, you will not be able to stand in the evil day. So you have to have all of these pieces of the puzzle put together. The Bible's so complex, yet so simple. The truth is so simple, but it gives us nuances and ability to be able to see and understand how... And if we follow these detailed plans to the New Testament church of the things we put on all the way down to our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, a shield of faith, a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it says. So you have to have all of these things. You can, you can know this book forward and backwards, and that's a great thing to do. There's nothing more powerful than this book. But when it comes to being saved, you've got to balance this book out with a shield of faith. you still got to have the helmet of salvation. You can know this, but you've got to have salvation that covers your mind. And so all of these things. So I don't want to get too deep into this tonight. But once you get all of those things on, then you will be able to stand. I'm going to start tonight by talking to you about standing in the evil day. 
standing in the evil day. I apologize. I rarely miss this because I usually get a notification and says, what are you preaching? What are you teaching? Getting it to our sound booth early, and I failed to do that tonight. So I apologize to them. That's a hardworking team back there that come every week, and thank you. Thank you for all you do. The camera people that put online, a minister friend of mine contacted us today complimenting our online presence and said he was talking to somebody who said they were traveling, logged in and was blessed by our, by our online presence. I thank you. I thank this team back here for doing a great job. So we're going to talk about standing in the evil day. Now, now this week, I, I was just letting my mind run on some things about the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there were several pieces of furniture. And it's interesting because what I'm going to teach to you tonight is not just a scripture that sets alone and, and I can come and give you some cute little story to try to solidify what I am teaching out of the scripture. But there is a thread. There is a, there is a woven cord through the scripture that ties scripture after scripture into this subject matter that I'm going to deal with tonight when it comes to standing strong. There is no problem standing in the evil day. If When, when things are good, there's no problem standing. The problem is standing in the evil day. Standing when temptation is for you to not keep standing. See, you don't know what a man is made of until he has gone through the fire of life. Until he's had to deal with some hardships and struggles. You don't know what a man's made of until he's broke. Until he loses his job. Until he's got sickness in his home. Until he's being attacked. Until he's under the pressures of life. Then you find out what is on the inside because it shows up on the outside. And a lot of people act out and they said, oh boy, they need to get control of this or they need to get control of that. There's probably a lot of other things they need to get control of. There's just one thing that's showing up right now. So I was pondering the tabernacle and thinking of how that the tabernacle is such a type and a shadow of what was to come. And in the tabernacle, we can draw conclusions. There's certain pieces and you can teach lessons completely out of this that gives us insight into the meaning and what is represented and the why of certain things. And so I want to point a couple things out to you tonight uh, that, that may be interesting. In the tabernacle, there were several pieces of furniture. But if you notice in studying the tabernacle and the tabernacle plan, there was no place to sit down. The priest had to always be moving. Now when you study the tabernacle, the first thing you're going to see come up that to try to prove what I'm teaching tonight wrong, someone would say, well, there was a mercy seat. And there was. But the mercy seat is not a chair for man to rest in. But it is where God dwelled in, dwelt in their midst. Perhaps that's why when the Apostle Paul makes the statement and said, when having done all to stand, just keep standing. 
because God shows up in places where people are standing. I, I get, as a pastor, sometimes, sometimes I have to find humor in certain things. I have to find humor in life. If not, I'd, I'd lose my mind sometimes. I mean, more than just the seven to nine, um, what's those points again? I would lose more than seven to nine IQ points because of some of the some of the, the, the situations that I I get pulled into or get 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 called into where people people want to live however they want to live, but as soon as trouble comes, guess who they call? My middle name is Belzebub with some folks until trouble comes in their home. And then they call, Pastor, I've always loved you, you know. And I've always been in your corner. Now, I know you probably heard I said something about you, but I want you to know that I didn't mean a thing about that. And, and I, need, I need prayer. And, and they, they treat God like he's some sort of genie in the bottle that when they need him, they just call the pastor and he's going to, you know, he's going to tap on the bottle and all of a sudden miracles are going to, going to come out. Let's get an evangelist in here that can preach to us and we're going to have miracle signs and wonders. You want to have miracle signs and wonders? You don't have to have the evangelist here to do it. When you stand strong in the evil day, the Bible said you can speak to the mountain and it will be removed. Cast into the sea. There's some benefits in serving God. I'm not preaching against an evangelist that comes in preaching miracle signs and wonders. We love it. We need it. We want it. But some people can only show up when it's miracle signs and wonder service. The rest of the time they want to live like the devil. If you want to walk in the faith that will deliver you in the evil day, you're going to have to learn to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I don't want to belabor the point that I'll be talking to you about what some of these armor pieces mean and what they are, but we have to learn to stand when the devil is throwing everything he has at us. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not quitting. I'm not complaining. I am going to stand. In the evil day. The priests that ministered in the tabernacle were not given a place to sit down. They had perpetual movement in the tabernacle. Under the Old Testament law, man was required to rest on the Sabbath. That was Old Testament law. They had to rest on the Sabbath. Some people failed to understand this transition from Old Testament to New Testament. It was the literal Sabbath. No work. They could only walk a short distance. They had to prepare their food ahead of time. I mean, it, it very, very strict rules that they had to live by. And there are some churches that are confused in their teachings 
and try to bring back the literal Sabbath day and make it a law for today. But Galatians tells us that the Holy Ghost is our rest. In other words, it is our Sabbath. The Holy Ghost is our Sabbath. We live, listen, we live in a perpetual Sabbath because the Holy Ghost is our Sabbath. Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This, the Holy Ghost, stammering lips and another tongue, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the, all right, that's for the new, that's for those that are coming in out of the world, the weary. This is the rest wherein will cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, this is to the church, and this is the refreshing yet they would not hear it. Matthew 11, verse 28, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I, the Lord speaking, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and ye shall find rest unto your Souls, And there is a thread all through the scripture. We need rest. The church needs rest. That doesn't mean we need to lay out a church. Doesn't mean we don't need to go to work for three months. What we need to do is get in Christ. Because there's nothing more refreshing than getting in and on location with God. The most important Thing you need in order to finish in this life is you need endurance. When having done all to stand, stand. Let me put it in other words. When having done all to stand, just endure it and keep standing. If we're going to make it until the end, we need to have courage to stand. When the enemy comes against us, we stand. When the world comes against us, we stand. When people comes against us, we stand. When family comes against us, we stand. When friends come against us, we stand. When our health comes against us, we stand. If we're going to make it to the end, we must find the courage to stand. It's the only way you're going to be saved. Because if we can't stand now, you want another scriptural reference? If you can't run with the footmen and the horses when all is well, what will you do at the swelling of the Jordan? Do I need to break that down? If you're complaining over just having to run a little bit with the army, with the, if, you're, if, you're just, if you're just frustrated because 
you know, everything's going good, but there's a little bit required out of me. You know, I'm having to, I got to keep up pace here. Pastor's calling prayer meetings and pastor's calling fast days and pastor's calling work days and, and I'm complaining. Pastor's asking me to give a little extra and, 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 and I'm, if you, if you are complaining when things are good, what are you going to do when the old Jordan River swells and you got to cross it? Because if you can't run with the footman and the horses in good times, what are you going to do when everything is bad and you got to try to cross a swollen river at flood tide? Now you got a problem. I know none of you know any people like this, but I have. At one time, pastored some folks about once a week. Every time I left on vacation, they'd call me. And my wife's about to shut me down up here. She says, you're about to get too personal. Right now, I see the look on her face. They get sick about every, about every other night, about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. They need a pastor to pray. And they'd always get sick about every time I left on a it was time for me to leave and go on a, on a vacation. They'd have to get sick. My boy spent more time sitting in a vehicle waiting to go on our yearly vacation. They spent more time in the hospital than any kids I know of anywhere waiting for me to go in and pray. They'd get a hangnail. I remember, that, you know, have to have prayer for it by the pastor. Y'all aren't even finding me humorous tonight. I kid you not, I told you pastoring causes people to lose their mind. Lose those, those point things. One night we had somebody knock on the door of our home. This is many years ago. Most of you wouldn't even know the name if I called it. Somebody knocked on the door. We opened the door and they came in, broke down and started crying. They were so frustrated. They came to church. And those were back during the pantyhose days, you know. And they had to go wait in the car and couldn't come into service because they got to run in their pantyhose when they got to church. And that's just the way their day had been. And they just needed to just vent on my wife and I over getting a run, a runner in their hose. They don't believe me, Annette. I think you're going to have to come up here and tell them that I'm telling the truth. And y'all wonder why sometimes I'm about half out of my mind. It's COVID. Nine points, gone. Get it two or three times, some of us are in real trouble. Single digits. Some people, every, every time, you know, some little something comes, oh, I can't be at church. Oh, I gotta, I'm about to backslide. Somebody said something about me. I'm about to leave the church. What are you going to do when real trouble comes? What are you going to do when the doctor says your, your kids are sick and, and not going to live? What are you going to do when the diagnosis is inoperable? What are you going to do when they can't? What are you going to do when, what are you going to do when the devil really starts throwing things at you? 
Come on, I'm talking strong to the church tonight. Some of us have got to learn to stand, put our feet on the ground, and be able to look the devil in the eye and say, get behind me, Satan. I am not going to tempt the Lord. I'm not going to curse God and die. I'm not going to fuss over every little thing that comes along. I am going to stand because there is an evil day when I'm going to really have to stand. And if I'm complaining now, what will I do? When having done all to stand, stand. We've got to have the courage to stand. It's the only way we'll be saved. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe quitters are going to make it. Don't be a quitter. You know quitting is a mindset. Quitting never worked well for anybody that's ever won. It'll get you every time. Standing in the evil day is important in every aspect of your life. I don't have the time to explore every little avenue. But if we're not careful, we'll teach our kids. I was talking to somebody the other day. Their kid was fussing a little bit about something they had put them in. Parents said, they're going to finish and I thought, oh, don't be too hard. Nope, they're going to finish. They started, they're going to finish. Like it, don't like it, they're going to finish. Because I am not going to teach them it's okay to be a quitter. Good job. Good job. Don't raise them up to be a quitter. If you quit every job because there's some little problem. I had somebody, they don't come to church here anymore, but I had somebody came to us one time. I'm sure it was proverbial speaking, but somebody knew them, and they said they've been to about 50 jobs in the last three years. Every employer that they've ever worked for has done them wrong. That's a pretty good track record. They got a job here, moved here, going to come here. So when I sat down and talked to them, I said, you know, you need to get somewhere and put your feet on the ground. You need to anchor somewhere. You need to quit being flighty and moving around. You need to get your feet on the ground. You need to get stable somewhere. I'm not concerned with how much you're making. I know you may be, but you need to get your feet on the ground. And when you get out there on that job, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have some problems. Somebody's going to yell at you. Somebody's going to report you. Somebody's going to lie on you. Somebody's not going to like you. Hey, this is life. Doesn't make them a bad employer. And furthermore, you're coming to this church, I'm sorry, but we're not perfect here. And if you're looking for the perfect church, let me know when you find it because they're going to be imperfect too as soon as you show up. Because I believe there's only been a couple, a couple fellas that's ever been perfect. One of them walked with the Lord so closely, the Lord said, look, you can't even handle it down here. I'm just taking you home. Whoop, mean it. He was gone. The rest of us, all of us imperfect people, we get down here and try to figure out how to live this life. But it doesn't matter how pretty you are, how much money you have, how well liked you are, or how inferior you may feel. We're all on the same, same playing field. Trouble's going to come. Trials are going to come. The evil day is going to come. Somebody's going to talk about you. Somebody's going to lie on you. Somebody's going to do you wrong. There's going to be things you don't like. You've got to put your feet on the ground and say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. 
Well, I'm just meddling tonight. I may as well tell you. I got a lot of good stories of not, not connected to our church. Well, maybe connected, but not members here. Somebody called me completely from out of state, was talking to me. And they were asking a few questions, and I was talking to them this week. They were asking me some things. I was trying to figure out how to handle a specific situation. And I made a statement to them. And it might have been where this message kind of started stirring in my spirit. Trying to figure out whether, you know, is it, at what point is divorce okay and, and, and not okay? And those are some very, very, I believe, case-by-case case situations that people have to walk very softly through. I don't believe there's a blanket case, so I'm not preaching a blanket theology here. But they called me and they asked, and they said, no, 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 I know that. I just want your opinion. I want, I want to hear what you what, do you, what would you say in this situation? Do you, how do you feel about it? And I said, I'm going to tell you how I feel about it. Did you say they have kids? Yeah, they have two. That's a real good reason to stay together. They said, pardon me? I said, that's a real good reason to stay together. Well, they're awfully hurt. I would do this, but it wouldn't work very well if I asked those of you that's ever been hurt in your marriage to raise your hand because your spouse may be sitting next to you. Trouble's going to come to every marriage. Trouble's going to come to every relationship. And if you throw in the towel over every little thing that happens, well, they're terribly hurt. You know, they just don't know if they would ever, they just don't know if they could forgive this situation. I said, I'm not involved, but I'm going to tell you that I've counseled with people that's been through ten times the, 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 the mess that you're telling me that this person's gone through. It sounds to me like they're just looking for an excuse to walk out on their family and go do what they want to do. There's a point that some of us have got to put our feet on the ground and say, you know what, they, I may not always feel the most respected. I may not always like things. My wife, I believe my wife loves me, but she doesn't always like me. Oh, is that too real? There's some day she looks at me and says, you need sleep. That usually ends every argument in our home. Doesn't mean she's ready to go throw in the towel. It's just her little code word for, you're not acting right right now. You need, you need to go check yourself. If we take every opportunity to throw in the towel, we'll be quitting all the time. You, you look for every opportunity to get, to get in an argument, to get in a fight. My Lord, have mercy. Follow peace with all men. Look for a way to find peace in the situation. Chances are, if you've been employed... By 300 employees over the last five years, I'm sure that was an exaggeration, and you've had trouble at every one of them, you might want to look in the mirror. The same is true for the kingdom of God. You can't just say, well, I'm going to take a break from serving God. Can I just say this? 
I'm going to be real with you tonight because I hope none of you have meetings set to come in and tell me this because I'm going to just tell you how I feel tonight because I'm just feeling bold in the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you, in my years of pastoring, I have never had someone come to me and say, Pastor, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to step down. I'm stepping down from ministry. I won't be. I had somebody come meet with me, wanted to talk to me. My family w was in the house. We walked down into the basement so they could speak privately to me. And they said, well, I'm going to take a break. I'm stepping down from everything in the church. This was years ago. I'm stepping down from everything in the church. I'm, not, I'm no longer going to serve. They served in many capacities. So I'm no longer going to serve, no longer going to work in the church. I'm stepping down from all of those things. And, and now I'm just telling you right now, for the next six months, we're not going to be very faithful to church. We're just going to come some, and, and, and I'm stepping down because I, I, in the next six months, I'm not going to be able to pay my tithing because it's going to mess up my retirement plan. And, and my daughter's getting married, and I need to take the money that I pay tithing to pay for that wedding. And I'm just telling you, I'm not going to be faithful to church. We'll be there some, but we're just going to slip in and slip out. And I looked at him, and I said, sir... I'm going to speak something to you. I love you and I care about you. But at the end of that six months, you will no longer be serving the Lord. And he spoke back to me and he said, I don't need the church to serve God. I said, remember those words six months from now when you're no longer in the church. I said, I'm telling you as your pastor right now, you need to be faithful to God. This is no time for you to quit. This is no time. You can't take a break from serving God. This is the rest wherein our weary, wherein the weary will find rest. If you're weary, if you're tired, be in the house of God. Get in the altar. Let Him refresh you in the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm tired. I'm just going to sit back and fold my arms during prayer meeting. That's not what the Bible says. Get in the altar. Pray through to you. Speak with other tongues. The Spirit is the rest. The Holy Ghost is the rest. Listen. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to quit ministry for three years and I'll pick it back up on the other side. I'm just, I'm just worn out. Listen, I know what burnout is. I've been there. And burnout is very real. But you don't just pick up ministry and put ministry down. Ministry is a calling that comes from the Lord. And when you get weary and you, you've got to learn to stand, you've got to. Dev well, somebody's talking about me. You don't need to be in ministry if you don't have thick enough skin to handle the fact that people are going to be against you and not everybody's going to do what you think and not everybody's going to be for you. And you've got to endure some things. You got to stand in the evil day. The key to success in athletes is that they have to learn to endure. Ephesians chapter 6 paints a graphic picture of a spiritual struggle that you and I are in. Notice with me that this is not a carnal battle. We can argue and fuss and fight over it. And at the end, nothing going to be accomplished. It's just kind of like social media wars. I've never seen anybody win one. 
most of our battles are not flesh and blood. They are spiritual. And the greatest battle that we fight is the battle between our ears. The battle of our mind. The reason some people take this struggle lightly is because they are not in the battle. They're just going through motions without any real fight or any real stamina in them. The carnal mind, the Bible says this now, the carnal mind cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. So the carnal mind doesn't understand a spiritual battle. So people look at you and they're like, huh, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't really know. They make light of you because you're in a spiritual battle that they cannot see. So they think it's all in your mind and they don't understand that the battle is a spiritual battle. It is a battle to get you spiritually where the enemy wants you. Physical battles are won by fighting the flesh. I hope they don't zoom in too much tonight and if any of you come up to speak to me tonight and you see this chin of mine that's swollen with a big old strawberry on the bottom of it, that's what happens when you lose a fight. With a stick connected to a tree called a limb that pops off the tractor and slaps me in the jaw. That was a physical battle. Physical battles are physical. You fight them in the flesh. Spiritual battles are not caught in the flesh. Getting angry over spiritual battles is not going to help you. Acting out in the physical realm is not going to help you. If you are in a spiritual battle, you have to fight a spiritual battle by spiritual means. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that you have. Well, I'm just struggling. Add fasting to the prayer because, oh, y'all going to get real quiet when I start talking about fasting. When you add fasting to the prayer, what it does is brings the flesh under subjection to where the flesh quits wanting to fight because you're too weary and too weak because you're hungry and you understand you can't do it in the flesh. When you're dealing with sins of the flesh, fasting helps bring the flesh under control. But you've got to mix it with prayer and Bible study and worship and being present in the house of the Lord. All of those things because that's where your strength comes from. The flesh is weakened, but the Spirit, the Spirit maketh lie. Until you've been under a spiritual attack, you have no idea what I'm preaching about. But for those who understand where I'm coming from, you know that sometimes all you can do is just stand. If you're a note taker, write down 1 Peter chapter 5. Whole nother text, whole nother subject matter that we could talk about. But I'm just going to weave it right in here tonight. Likewise, you younger, submit yourself unto the elder. That can be tough for some folks. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and he giveth grace to the humble. So humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may 
exalt you. Don't let pride exalt you. Let God exalt you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, calls him out. It's who your adversary is. It's the devil. It's not the church, not your neighbor. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Nine, here we go, verse nine. This is what we're trying to get to. Well, how do I stand? How do I resist the devil? Verse nine, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Well, I'm telling you, I just I'm resisting the devil. I'm I'm, I'm resisting the devil. I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm probably gonna quit, but I'm resisting. No 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 no. That's not. You want to know how you resist the devil? Well, I spoke to him. I talked to the devil. Well, you might want to talk to God. Let me just warn you. Sometimes in prayer, there's a time that you may speak to the enemy. But don't let your prayers get caught up to where you're praying to the devil. You're telling the devil all the time, I'm rebuking this over you. You've got to do this and you're doing Be careful about that. You let your prayer be to God. If there's something you need to rebuke, you rebuke it. But take your time in focusing on God. You want to resist the devil? You know how you resist the devil? Being steadfast in the faith. You know what that means? Stand in the evil time. Be steadfast in the faith. When things come, not going to bother me. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Not going to bother me. Did you see what so-and-so did? Not going to bother me. Did you hear what the pastor said when he was preaching? Not going to bother me. Because you resist being steadfast in the faith. Knowing, verse 9, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know what that means? It rains on the just and the unjust. That means when somebody gets the idea in their mind, well, the devil's just after me because I'm serving him. I may as well go out and live in the world. No, 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 no. The same afflictions that's in the church is in the world. Being saved does not remove affliction off of you. But the God of all grace who called us unto his eternal glory to Jesus Christ, after that you suffer a while. Here's the difference. Here's for the saved. doesn't say this for the sinner. After you've suffered a while, he makes you perfect because you stood in the evil day. This is what standing does for you. It makes you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. You want to know how to perfect your life? You know how to get better? You know how to, you know how to walk better? You know how for your life to get better? Stand in the evil day. The one thing that Israel may not have been expecting from God was that God was not going to allow them into the promised land without a fight. They come through, you know, he, God sends plagues and sends Moses to Pharaoh. He just parts the water and they walk through, lets the water come back and kills the whole army that's chasing them. But when they get to the edge of the promised land, and they walk through the Red Sea, they walk through the Jordan River on dry ground. After 40 years, walk through. They come to Jericho 
Remember what happens in Jericho? We're on a journey now out of the wilderness, across the Red Sea, now to Jericho. Remember? Marching, 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 marching. Day one, day two, day three, and then they shout. The walls fall down. Woo! This is the way life's going to be serving God. This is the way life's going to be. I'm just going to come to church and shout, and all my problems are going to go away. Uh Uh-oh. They leave Jericho. They come to Canaan. In Canaan, they had to fight. In Canaan, they were going to have to learn to stand. God says, I have supplied food for you for 40 years, clothes that didn't wear out for 40 years. I've opened doors for you, rolled back Red Seas, put water running out of a rock. I have spoiled you for 40 years, but there is a time before you get to the promised land, there is a time that you're going to have to, you're going to have to take a sword in your hand and you are going to have to fight because serving God is not always filled with, with miracle signs and wonders and blessings and God handing you everything on a silver platter. There's some days you got to put your feet on the rock. you got to look the enemy in the eye and you've got to say, if you keep on, I'm going to come at you with the shield of faith, with the sword of the Spirit. I am girded up. My loins are girded. I am ready to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. I'm out of time. If we're going to be effective, we're going to have to stand, endure, fight the good fight of faith. We're going to have to make up our minds to stand. Some have been dealing with the same old problems over and over and over again. Every time they get in a problem, every time they get in a pinch, they want to backslide. They want to get offended. They want to walk away. Get some spiritual guts in you. Put your feet on the ground. Did I say that out loud? Put your feet on the ground and look the devil in the face and tell him, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I am being steadfast in the faith. I'm not going back to the same old addiction, the same old problem, the same old life. I've been wandering in the wilderness long enough. I am going to stand. I'm going to stand. For when when the evil day comes, I am going to be ready to fight. The good fight of faith. Stand to your feet and give God a shout of praise in this house. There's no place to quit. There's no place to take a break. There's no place to step back and retreat. We've got to put our feet on the ground and stand and be steadfast. Come on, praise Him for a moment tonight. If you've made up your mind, you're not turning to the left or the right. Made up your mind, you're not going back. Made up your mind, you're going to stand come what may. You ought to praise Him for a moment. You ought to let the enemy hear you praising. Oh, let's just magnify the Lord tonight. His power's here to strengthen. I feel the strength of the Lord in the house tonight. I feel faith rising in the house tonight. Somebody came in weary and tired, but you've got to stand in this time. Stand in these end times. Oh, let's praise him for a few more moments tonight. Glorify him tonight. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah. The presence of the Lord's in the house tonight. There's strength for you in the house tonight. Why don't you reach over to your neighbor that's there if it's appropriate. Link up with somebody tonight. Pray one for another. Let them know we're going to stand together. We're going to fight the good fight of faith together. We're going to war together. We're not going to take this sitting down, but we're going to war together. You may feel weary tonight. You may feel tired tonight. You may feel the enemies coming against you tonight. But I'm telling you, God is on your side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? He'll work it for your good. He's going to take the things the enemy meant for evil and he's going to turn it for your good. You're going to come through this test and you're going to come out with a testimony. You're going to walk through this through this trouble and you're going to come out with a blessing. Hallelujah. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, there's strength in your prayer tonight. There's strength in your voice tonight. There's strength in your praise tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. There's peace in the midst of the storm. Hallelujah. He's looking for some people with the guts to stand, with the courage to stand.